This is an image that, that sticks with you. It's, it's haunting in its way. A, a group of men rugged up, beanies, gloves. They're risking their lives to move a life-size statue of Jesus Christ, arms outstretched in crucifixion into an underground bunker. Now, the photo was taken in Ukraine and it appeared in an article by freelance journalist Evan Rail about the destruction of Ukraine's cultural heritage. It's a reminder that, that cultural eradication, if, if that is the Russian aim in this invasion, some term it genocide, if that is the aim, then it involves more than the slaughter of people, the destruction of their built spiritual and, and artistic culture. That goes hand in hand. Now, Evan, Evan Rail is, is an author and journalist and writes about architecture, food, drink in Europe. He's a, he's a long-time contributor to the travel section of the New York Times. And he joins us now all the way from Prague on the doorstep uh, of, of the Ukrainian border. Evan, welcome. Oh, thanks for having me on the show. That photo, um, tell us a bit more about that, the, the, the precise circumstances. Oh, that's a removal of the, the removal of a Gothic era sculpture of the crucified Christ from an Armenian church was being taken away for safekeeping. It was last removed for safekeeping during World War II, and they had to remove it again as part of their uh, pr protective measures, precautions against the destruction that they've already seen in other parts of Ukraine. And as you say, have, have already experienced in that, in that country in the Second World War. Exactly. You know, Ukraine is a, a really interesting spot in the world for a lot of reasons. It's at a crossroads. It's it's on the Black Sea. There's been travel across the Black Sea for millennia um, through Europe and cultural ties from Ukraine to other parts of the world. So there's a lot of really interesting culture there already. But if you just look at the 20th century, what that country endured, the Holodomor, you know, basically a, a, an attempt to eradicate their culture under Stalin. And then, then the Nazis, you know, this is a country that has suffered immensely and yet which still has wonderful cultural artifacts to share with the world. There must be a strong instinct for that, those, that, those acts of, of preservation it, it's with, with that recent history. I imagine so. I see, you know, videos uh, or clips or photos on the news of, of sandbagging uh, monuments, uh, a statue to a poet will have <laughs> sandbags placed around it to protect it from blasts or, or from gunfire or from shockwaves. Uh, you see paintings being taken down. You see sandbags going up around museums or, or rather uh, libraries where they are stacking things in the windows to make sure that the blast wouldn't come through the window and blow out the glass and, and damage the artifacts mm. and books inside. It's a, a remarkable aspect to war that I think a lot of us overlook. Of course, the most important thing is the human suffering that we're seeing. You know, this is, this is affecting millions of people and, and people are being deeply hurt. Women and children and old people and uh, people of all ages are, are suffering. And on top of that, there's this, this second um, tragedy, which is that their culture is being destroyed and attacked. In a, in a vengeful way that is just almost incomprehensible. Well, a consequence of warfare, yes, but in, in particularly in, in an instance like this where that sort of cultural obliteration is, is part of that military project. Oh, I mean, we've seen videos of, of Russian soldiers taking sledgehammers and uh, 
breaking plaques on buildings, you know, a plaque, <laughs> a, a historic plaque that says this thing happened here. You know, we, we've seen uh, cemeteries being attacked and, and blasted. You know, this is not accidental. Mm. They killed. They destroyed the state archives that held the record of all of the crimes of the communist era. That is the record of all of the bad things the communist state did to ordinary people in Ukraine. That was destroyed. And those, those records have been burned down. This, these are not accidents of war. Um, over 59 churches have been destroyed or damaged so far. Uh, something like four, 58 important architectural monuments have been damaged so far. This is an attempt to destroy a country's very culture. And as you say, it, it is one of those countries that is is a crossroads, is a, is a, a meeting place of, of cultures historically, which gives such tremendous richness to to so much of, of Ukrainian culture. Can you can you describe that that heritage in, in, in shorthand to us? Oh well, it's it's basically a place where you can find about a thousand years of important architecture. <laughs> it's a place where you can see 10 centuries of architecture and art. It's a place where uh, there have been Greek settlements for two or 3,000 years, you know, on the other side of the Black Sea from, from Greece. It's uh, a place where there have been Armenians, uh, Armenian cultural settlements. It's a place where there is one of the largest Jewish communities, not just in Europe, but in the world. Um, it is a place where you can find Austro-Hungarian, grandiose, beautiful 19th century things that look like they belong in Vienna. And you can find uh, really strange wooden churches, which is what, the reason that I went there originally, um, that have been made in a kind of vernacular architectural style. That is a, an architectural style of just common people. That are these immense wooden constructions uh, with shingles all over the outside that look completely different from the gold-capped onion domes of these wonderful Byzantine and Baroque palaces. It's a, it's a remarkable place. Oh, and I didn't even get to the modern architecture of the 20th century, which is stupendous. And which, of course, it, 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 I have some extraordinary examples of, of Soviet brutalism, for example. I mean, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Um, there's some in the Crimea and then there's some actually in Kiev as well. There's there there uh, buildings that are shortlisted to go on the UNESCO World Heritage Site for their grandiose modernism um, of the 1920s and 30s. You weren't able to get there during this current invasion, and, and that, that is understandable, but you have been to Ukraine before. Can you describe that trip, what you, what you saw in that, that first visit? Yeah, I went to Ukraine uh, in 2010. Uh, I live in Prague, in the Czech Republic. From here to the border with Ukraine, it's about 368 miles. So just under 370 miles. And I went there to, to write a story for the New York Times about these wooden churches. Uh, they're called Serkvas, I think, um, that are in the Carpathian Mountains. And they're built, they were built by, by common people. Um, they're sometimes quite large though, they're, you know, bordering on a basilica and um, shape and, and construction and even importance because the Carpathian Mountains are not very populated. It's a, it's a heavily forested, um, not industrialized part of Ukraine in the west of Ukraine, bordering with Slovakia and Hungary and Romania. Uh, so I went there to, to visit these churches and write about them. I drove around, I had a camera with me, uh, and I just had a remarkable experience seeing these, these buildings that are, as one person told me, like nothing else in the world. Why would? 
Oh, because they're they're in forests. Yeah, they they build them out of wood. Um, there are some stories sometimes that they don't even have a single nail in them; that they're just made out of very simple construction. But they're they're very large churches that look like dinosaurs. They're they're made out of wood, and they're sort of boat like if you took a boat and flipped it upside down, perhaps. And they have shingles all around the outside that look like scales. They actually resemble dinosaurs, uh, mostly, if you can imagine that. And they're hidden in these forests. So they just kind of really fit in with their environment. They're made out of wood in a woods, um, just standing there for three, four, five, six hundred years. I mean, it's, a, it's an interesting conversation, isn't it, that that we are having, looking at this aspect of what is being potentially destroyed in, in Ukraine at a time when there is so much human tragedy, uh, a, a grotesque extent of human tragedy. I mean, it's a difficult it's a difficult conversation and a difficult, difficult balance to strike between re- revering that loss, but, but at the same time attempting to safeguard the, the culture for which those people fought or died or would have held dear. Yeah, exactly. I mean, this is this is secondary, of course, to the human tragedy, but this is what they're fighting for. Mm-hmm. They're fighting, you know, not just for their lives, but for their culture. So that is buildings, artworks, monuments, cemeteries, uh, things that you normally would take for granted as existing often for centuries and lasting and and being uh, sort of impervious to the waves of change that come through any country. And instead, they're fighting to keep those things right now. You've been monitoring this and, and writing from, from across the border, as you say. The the flow of information, is, is word getting through about the, the safety or the destruction? Yes, I, I see a lot of people posting. I, I'm on Twitter like everyone else, <laughs> and uh, I see it on, on social media as well. Uh, but there, there are a number of uh, interesting dynamics to this that we didn't see in, in previous conflicts. For example, you know, the Ukrainian Cultural Foundation just created an online map of monuments that have been destroyed or damaged. That is being crowdsourced now so people can send in photographs Mm. from Ukraine to the Ukrainian Cultural Foundation to have uh, the map updated with new churches or, or monuments or museums or schools that have been destroyed by the invaders. Uh, That, that is something you haven't seen before. There are uh, social media accounts that are pretty much dedicated to monitoring the cultural damage, the damage to the to the important monuments there. That is something that is entirely new, I think. Since this conflict began, one of the notable features outside of Ukraine has been the sense of solidarity that it's created across Europe and, and more broadly. In, in terms of, of heritage protection, are we, are we seeing uh, European institutions outside of Ukraine pitching in to assist? We are. We're seeing a good amount of influence coming from UNESCO, the United Nations Cultural Organization, which is very active in publicizing the importance of, of maintaining and saving these uh, artworks and cultural artifacts. We're seeing uh, cultural ministers, like the Ministry of Culture from various, uh, I think there's an open letter from or the Minister of Culture from three or four Central European countries who just wrote an important letter saying, you know, we have to preserve these documents. It is an important issue for people, for governments outside of Ukraine, as well as within it. Your sense uh, that this particular invasion against the acts of Stalin, of Hitler, of others through history, it, on the scale of risk, where are we standing now? 
think we're at uh, 10 out of 10. <laughs> I think what we're seeing, unfortunately, and what we're hearing is that this is on the same scale as what happened under the Nazis. Um, in terms of the atrocities that are being committed, it is effectively a genocide, as we've seen. Um, and so this is, this is as far as it goes. This is someone trying to erase another culture, another nation, and say that you don't exist or have the right to exist. This is as bad as it gets. I, I suspect that expressing interest and enthusiasm for that culture is, if nothing else, a, a form of, of, of quiet solidarity with the people of Ukraine. <laughs> I think so. I mean, what we're seeing here is that people, you know, people are starting to g develop an interest in Ukraine that they didn't have. Yes. Yeah. What it seemed like, what it seemed like happened before the war, the motive for the war was to, for, for Russia, for Putin to deny Ukraine's right to exist or the fact that it even existed as a culture to erase it as a culture to say that's not a thing. He wrote a letter saying that, no, that's just really Russia. They just talk a little bit differently. Ukrainians aren't a thing. Ukraine isn't a place other than Russia. And what we're seeing instead of erasing Ukraine or saying that Ukraine doesn't exist, we're seeing that the rest of Europe and indeed the rest of the world is discovering that they are also Ukrainians. So here in Prague, you know, a different country, almost 400 miles away. Hmm. Our public transportation has Ukrainian flags on it now. Most buildings have Ukrainian flags on them now. And I don't mean one Ukrainian flag. I mean 40 Ukrainian flags on a single building. I mean large scale, 40 meter by 40 meter flags hanging off of our monuments, celebrating Ukraine's existence and saying, no, we too are like you and we support you. So instead of denying that Ukraine exists, it's, it's more like he's created more Ukrainians. There are Ukrainian flags flying in Switzerland and in, and in France and in Spain and countries that maybe weren't so aware of Ukrainian culture um, in the EU because Ukraine is not an EU member have become much more interested in Ukrainian culture and even identify with Ukraine. That's a real uh, an example of being hoisted by your own petard. The field of sunflowers across Europe, if you will. Over a bright blue sky. Evan, thank you. Um, an appalling time, um, and let us hope that human tragedy as, as well as the, the cultural tragedy can quickly cease. Thank you, Jonathan. Evan Rail, author, journalist, based in Prague. Uh, now, his article on the destruction of Ukraine's cultural heritage uh, is published by the New York Times. We'll pop a link uh, to that on the Blueprint page, the RN website, and in the, in the podcast show notes. And, yeah, if you do want to do more to help, but one thing you can do, uh, search for the ABC Gives Ukraine Appeal. Those words will find it for you. We'll also pop a link up, though, on the, on the site for that as well. And this is Blueprint Radio National.